So this is the uh, second week of the Piazza Parlor podcast. Uh, again, I'm Xavier Alatori. And I am Aaron Delgado. All right. So, yeah, uh, I guess we had... Woo-woo-woo! <laughs> we had an awesome first week. Um, I just looked at the the kind of feed burner stuff for you podcast savvy people. And, uh, yeah, we had 80-something hits, 30-something subscribers in our first week, which, I mean, thanks, didn't even think 30 people would listen to us. I didn't think 30 people existed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even have 30 friends, so they must be all yours around. Yeah, I think so. They're all my friends. Hey, guys. Um, but yeah, so for those of you that are listening via someone else, um, go ahead and give us a look on iTunes. We're up there now. Um, follow us on Twitter, at Piazza Parlor. And go ahead and read the blog, uh, piazzaparlor.tumblr.com. Uh, there's some good stuff up there. we got some... Uh, blog posts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go ahead and give it a look. And make sure the Twitter is super fun. We post a lot of cool stuff, dumb stuff. Yeah, I tend to stay on the uh, stat nerdy side while Aron uh, provides the entertainment. So uh, don't pay attention to whatever I tweet. Pay attention to whatever Aron tweets and you'll enjoy yourself. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, let's just jump straight into it. Uh Today's uh, format will follow the intro, which you're listening to. Appetizers. Um, going to go over the game recap, the disaster that took place today in Colorado. The uh, weekly we- recap of games. Uh, then we'll go on to the main dish, which will be... Uh, we'll talk about uh, Kershaw's recent struggles. Um, Capuano being good, Nolasco being great, and Greggy being even better. Uh, we'll discuss who the hell Velasquez, or not Velasquez, Volquez is, and why Michael Young is now a Dodger. What? Uh, then we'll move on to the desserts, and we'll uh, recap the news that's going on in the NL West, and all of that will be followed with a rant. Um, I'll keep the rant a surprise um, if any of you, well, no one, actually no one will know. So yeah, we'll keep the rant a surprise. So. I know, I know. <laughs> that way you can, uh, we'll keep you on the edge of your seat and you can listen to what I am going to bitch about. But let's just jump straight into it. Um, yeah. The uh, weekly recap, the Dodgers, as of uh, last week's podcast on August 30th, they uh, beat San Diego 9-2, Hyunjin Ru. Pitched. It's not Ryu for all of you Street Fighter fanatics. It's Hyunjin Ru. That's the correct pronunciation. But keep saying Ryu because that's what you're going to do anyways. Um, and then on August 31st, uh, Capuano pitched. And he actually had a really good... Hey, 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 our buddy. Yeah, yeah you know, I'm, I'm not... Good old Capi. Yeah, he had a pretty good outing that game. Um, we'll go over that in the main dish, but... Um, LA won two to one against San Diego, and then on September first, Granky pitched. I was at that game. Um, the Dodgers won two to one, and Granky was outstanding. And it was a nice way to start September after his amazing August. Hey, thanks for inviting, jerk. I, <laughs> I only had two complimentary tickets. I'm sorry, and the uh, well, it's not like you would have minded anyways. But the uh, the seats were in the. Uh, right field reserve all the way past the foul ball post so since it was a day game we were in the sun all day nice seats yeah great seats great view great game um it was actually a lot of fun especially since uh they show the sandlot afterwards but uh dodger stadium i have a bone to pick with you um 
I have never been on the field at Dodger Stadium, and I was really excited because I thought we were going to be able to go on to the field after the game to watch the movie, but it turns out the only way you could get on the field to watch the movie was if you had uh, pavilion tickets, and I didn't have pavilion tickets. Had I known, I would have bought pavilion tickets, but anyways, you can suck at Dodger Stadium just that once. To make it up to me, please. Um, but moving on, uh, September 2nd, uh, the Dodgers went to Colorado and Kershaw struggled. But the Dodgers got the win, 10-8. to um, And then September 3rd, which was yesterday, Nolasco started. And Nolasco has been great as of late. Um, the Dodgers won 7-4. to And then today was a shit show. To say the uh, least. The Dodgers lost 5-7 with Lol- yeah, Lolquez pitching. Um, hey, hey! I was at the August thirtieth game. I, I was there. How was it? It was awesome. I saw Ryu pitch earlier in the season. Um, and you know he was pretty good, but uh, for some reason he's just been struggling as of late. I mean his his last game, which was uh on the thirtieth, I'm gonna bring up his uh game log for that day. But um, I mean going, God, I don't even know how many innings he went, but. Game log. Thank you, Fangraphs. Um, yeah, he went 6.1 innings. Uh, gave up only one run. Um, unfortunately, he gave up eight hits as well. So, I mean, that's not too bad. But, you know, considering that uh, earlier in August, he was going seven innings. And, I mean, I, I think his only problem is that he gives up a lot of hits throughout the game. Um, but, you know, he's been effective. He's a nice middle reliever. Middle reliever? Or middle reliever, mid-rotation pitcher. Sorry, that's the Doseki's talking. Dumb. Dumb, fool. I think he's a solid He's a solid starter. Uh, I just feel like maybe he's still adjusting, and maybe within the next year or so, I think he'll be able to catch up with the rest of the guys. Well, maybe not catch up to Kershaw, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's just if he can go deep into the game uh, without um, manually have to go into the bullpen, then I think that's fine. Um, you know, I, I'm not expecting him to be uh, the dominant presence on the mound like Kershaw and Granke are. But, um, you know, a, a mid-rotation guy that has some pretty good stuff and can go seven innings each outing, maybe give up a few hits here and there. I mean, that, that's not a problem. You know, he, he's doing his job and he's holding them, he's holding his spot down pretty well. Yes, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the main dish, shall we? Oh, oh. the main dish. Uh, this one's juicy. Um, Kershaw has been struggling as of late. Um, let's see, his last three starts. Uh, in Miami, he allowed five hits. But, again, he had a great game. He allowed five hits. And I think he had something like only allowed like maybe one or two runs uh, that game. But in his uh, next start uh, against Chicago, he allowed – this was actually the uh, the night we recorded or tried to record our first podcast. <laughs> um, on August 27th against the Cubs, he allowed seven hits and also two runs. He only went five and two-thirds of an inning. But in those five, two, five and two-thirds of an inning, uh, he got nine strikeouts. Um, I mean really, who the hell gets nine strikeouts in five innings? But moving on, um, his game against uh, Colorado on the second, um, yeah, he allowed five runs in five innings and also allowed 11 hits. Um, but he got the win because pitcher wins. Whoop, whoop. All those work. Um, 
Let me yeah, let, it's, let me just let me just say something real quick. We I think it's something to take note of that we're talking about Kershaw quote unquote struggling and I mean you know looking at these numbers it's yeah for him is struggling absolutely you know we're used to this guy going I think for the last couple of starts before these last three he didn't even allow a hit for like six innings or something like that and I'm not I'm not certain about that but you know here we are talking about him struggling when you know in Chicago he gave up two runs in 5.2 innings with those nine strikeouts um, from anyone else from any anyone else from any other starter that's a successful outing yeah and 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 when we get on to to the next topic of, of the main dish um you know we'll talk about uh capuano's uh recent start and you know how that compares to to kershaw i mean we call capuano getting uh giving up eight hits and one run um you know, against Chicago, that's a Kershaw, success. Yeah, yeah, that's a success. Whereas Kershaw seven hits and two runs. I mean, we have to keep in mind that that you know Kershaw is great, and he's I mean he's a future Hall of Famer. There's no denying that. Um, you know, when a pitcher gives up seven hits and two runs and it isn't Kershaw, that's a great outing. Um, but I want to touch on 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 his most recent outing in Colorado. Um, for those of you that follow the blog, um, there will be a blog post up hopefully uh, tomorrow or later on today, which will be Thursday. Um, Coors Field is is it's an abomination of a park. I mean, it's just <laughs> it, it's in Denver. The air is thin. It's my high. You know, the ball the ball travels really really far, and you know, breaking pitches don't break; they just kind of hang. And Kershaw's go-to strikeout pitch, which is his slider, um, you know, it, it it doesn't hang out on the left-hand side of the plate like it should in Colorado. Um, I was just looking at some heat maps on uh, brooksbaseball.net, and, you know, his, his slider just wasn't traveling the way it should. And, you know, normally that's where he gets his strikeouts on the left-hand side of the plate, which is, you know, if, if you're Kershaw, you kind of want your slider to to just kind of get inside that plate right there. So you kind of, anyways, you'll be able to read about it on the blog. And I, I think that that was a big problem is that his, his pitches just didn't have as much movement as they normally do. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, as I was watching the game, they were putting up his stats for pitching at Coors Field. And I mean, it's some ridiculous, like I think his ERA was in like in the fives or maybe the high fours. I'm not sure. And, this is, it's just safe to say Kershaw doesn't like Coors Field. So I wasn't surprised by that outing at all. Um, the first two I was more surprised by, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think the first two are, are, are just, you know, just natural regression that just happens over the course of a season. Kershaw, this this season in, in his already great career is uh, one of his better seasons, um, which is saying a lot considering how good he is. Don't expect the kind, this kind, I mean, if he has this kind of season next season, it'll be amazing that he can have such a repeat performance. But don't expect next season to be as dominant as this one. And don't expect all starts within this season to be as great as they have been. You know, and I was telling, uh, I forgot who I was telling a couple days ago, but if there's any time to have a slump, it's right before the playoffs. 
So if he gets these bad games out of the way before the playoffs start, cool. That's great. I'm not going to sweat it. And, I mean, like you said, you know, Kershaw has a bad time in Colorado, and so does the rest of the NL West. I think the only reason why Colorado seems like a contender early on into the season is because they're playing most of their games at home anyways. So I think I speak for the rest of the NL West when I say, fuck you, Coors Field. Well, if you're looking at the pitching side of it, then, yeah, fuck you, Coors Field. But, I mean, uh... Man, you know, I would have really loved to see Puig mash some balls this past weekend at Coors. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of which, I mean, he's he's been sidelined with the uh, right knee strain. Yes, um, which isn't anything new because it seems like the way he plays, he's always getting injured. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think he's playing... He's playing like a 22-year-old, man. That's all he's, he's playing. <laughs> well, no, 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 exactly. I mean, he's playing... I, he's not playing like a... I mean, he's playing like a 22-year-old, definitely, but... He's also playing like some guy that thinks he's going to be sent back to Cuba if he has a shitty season. He, he's he's playing really hard, and I don't think you can ask any more of him. And I, I, I think he's the kind of player that when he's injured, you just have to keep him. You have to save him from himself, really, because he'll just keep playing. I mean, if his leg were to fall off, you'd still keep playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he'd probably still hit home runs. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, but did, yeah. I'm, oh, go ahead. Did you... I know, okay, I know we went off topic here, but did you notice, were you watching the game, the first game of the series, where Puig was, he was uh, varying his batting stance and his uh, his swing also? Did you notice that, or did you see anything like that? I haven't seen any games from this last series. Puig was doing this thing where it almost looked, looked like he was just fooling around, you know? Like, he was swinging his leg around, his batting stance was a little more open, and it was very interesting. Not quite sure what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, I think... I honestly think he's nursing an injury, and he doesn't want to be taken out of the lineup. And, you know, you'll notice that when players have an injury, they tend to do things a little differently at the plate or on the mound, depending on where they're... You know, where they are where they tend to excel. I mean, look at Kemp when he was injured. You know, he changed his, uh, his timing mechanism on pitches. Carl Crawford, when he was injured and when he was hurt, you know, in in Boston, you know, he changed his batting stance as well. So I think, you know, don't be too surprised if, you know, at the end of the season, at the end of the playoffs, you find out that, you know, Puig was playing through injury, which we all know how that goes. I, yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that that's probably true. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, back on back track. Back on track. Um, so, yeah, for those of you that are worrying about Kershaw, uh, worry no more. I mean, I, you know, no, yeah, he's, he, he's definitely fine. Um, he will probably get the start in either Cincinnati or back in LA. I'm not too sure how the rotation's working. Ever since the All Star break, uh, the rotation has changed. So I don't even know who's pitching anymore or when. I I think he's gonna pitch in Cincinnati. I'm pretty sure because we got we had Volkis today, and then Capuano starts. Capuano's tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, but I'm sorry, uh, not tomorrow. Yeah, Friday. Friday. Friday, and then I think it's Granky and Kershaw or something like that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then they come back to LA uh, where they face Arizona. Um, but since we uh, happen to touch on Capuano, um, oh, nice segue. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Chris Capuano is has been good. Um, was good. Well, was good. Yeah. I mean, after having a few uh, struggling, a uh, few starts where he struggled. Um, he's a... Uh... Nice sentence, by the way. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. 
struggling a few starts where he struggled. But after having a, a few starts where he struggled, um, he uh, found his stride uh, against San Diego. Um, he pitched uh, seven innings, I believe. Can't be that hard to find your stride against San Diego. Yeah, well, no, but I mean, for, for a guy that, you know, his last five starts were awful. You know, he, he yeah, he pitched seven innings, or yeah, eight innings, I'm sorry. Eight innings, allowed eight hits, gave up one run. Uh, he had seven strikeouts and one walk. I mean, that, that's been his best outing uh, in the last month. So, way to go, Capuano. Way to find it. And if you keep that going um, till the rest of the season, good job. Because I do not want to see any more of Edinson Volquez. Because he is going to listen to this podcast and take your advice. That's what's going to happen. Hey, you know what? You never know. You never know. <laughs> I mean, he could, he could be, you know, back in his home. You know, feeling pretty low, wants to find a Dodger podcast and stumbles upon ours and, you know, listens to the first episode and just thinks, oh, God, even these losers think I'm a loser. I wonder how low on the loser scale we are compared to him. Mm, Yeah, we're probably pretty low, but at least we're not Brandon League. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, So, well, Well Capuano has been good. Um, Ricky Nolasco has been great. He's been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, his last start was in Chicago. Or, I'm not Chicago in uh, Colorado, and Dodgers won that game seven to four. Yeah, he, uh, he he's been doing really well, and it's been nice because, again, for those of you that follow the blog, um, you know he he wasn't he was a kind of a question mark coming out of Miami um, when the Dodgers signed him. Uh, they were hoping that you know he would kind of be able to liven up the rotation a bit, you know, provide a fresh arm. Because, you know, Billingsley was out, has been out for the season. Fife is hurt. And Capuano was just really struggling. Um, but, you know, he, he's definitely not as dominant as he has been since 2009. Uh, but, you know, if you compare Nolasco from last year to this year, um, he's not even the same pitcher. I mean, he's just leaps and bounds uh, better than what he was last season. Prior to the trade, Nolasco was 5-8 and eight with a 3.85 ERA. But now that he's uh, on the Dodgers, he's uh, six and one, and his ERA is sitting at two twenty. Which I mean, that's great. <laughs> you know, any pitcher would kill for a two twenty ERA. I know Capuano would. Um, and even uh, you know the line stats, the batting line stats against him. I mean, when he was in Miami, batters were hitting a two sixty one. They had three uh, three hundred six on base percentage and a four hundred six slugging. And now that he's in Los Angeles. Um, batters are hitting 221 on base percentage against him is 279 and slugging percentage against him is 319 um, prior to Colorado he was going yeah actually going into Colorado he had 20 shutout innings yep or 16 shutout innings with uh, 17 strikeouts and one walk so I mean you you really I mean this he's been phenomenal yeah he yeah I just he's been the biggest surprise for me um I mean I think he he and Granky were pretty pretty close actually for the month of August, weren't they? Um, you know, I you know I could definitely check on Fangraphs really quick, but I, I think Granky has definitely been the the better pitcher in. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, he not to mention he won Pitcher of the Month for all of August. Woo! Yeah, go Granky. Um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get on that in a bit, but yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, Nolasco for the month of August he pitched uh, he pitched 33.1 innings allowed uh, seven runs and he had 
30, uh, about 35 strikeouts. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's, he's definitely been pretty good. And, and going into the, the last month of the regular season, um, he's been a, a, a nice addition to the, uh, to the, to the rotation. Um, you know, I think even in, uh, in Colorado, you know, the fact that he was able to, you know, make, hold down his own. I mean, the, the game in Colorado was, was kind of, kind of ugly for the Dodgers and, you know, thank goodness they were able to rally back because, it could have gone a lot worse, and you know the fact that he—I think he only gave up. Uh, let me double check. He gave up only two runs in the entire game after going six innings. He, he fared better than Kershaw did, so you know that it, that in itself says a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, everyone fared better than Kershaw. Even Volquez did. Well, I don't know about that. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're just gonna look at the 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 single game stats, he he definitely did. I mean. I'm not saying Volquez is the better pitcher because Volquez is a piece of shit, but... Whoa. I, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He is. <laughs> and that'll be the nice... the uh, That'll be the main entree for our main dish. I'll, I'll get on that a little bit later. Um, but while Capuano has been good and Alasco has been great, Granky has been fucking outstanding uh, over the last month. And 35 and a half innings pitched... Uh, Kershaw's uh, strikeout over nine rate has been seven point three, meaning oh, you, you wait, Kershaw's? I'm sorry, Grinky, Freudian slip. God, bro, come on, <laughs> you're drunk. No, I'm, I'm tired. It's about one thirty in the morning right now, so get over it, bro. Yeah, Grinky has been awesome in August. Uh, he's pitched thirty five and a half innings. Uh, his strikeout over nine rate is seven point three. So over the course of nine innings, uh, he's had about seven strikeouts. Um, his walk rate over nine has been uh, 1.9, so he allows about two walks per game. Um, for every uh, three and a half strikeouts, he allows one walk. His ERA in August has been uh, 1.21, and his field independent pitching has been 2.56, and he has a walk plus hits per inning pitched of one in August. Over the course of his innings pitch, he's only allowed one walk and one hit over the course of nine innings. So, I mean, he's, he's been outstanding. And he started September uh, with seven innings pitched against San Diego. He allowed one run, had seven strikeouts and two walks. So, I mean, he just seems to be keeping the pace up uh, from August. And with about four or five more starts left in the month or in the season, the regular season, um, I'm hoping that he keeps us going and that Kershaw is able to find his stride because – It'll be a nice way to uh, end the regular season. Absolutely, man. Like, I have literally no worries in the world about this Dodger team going forward because of Kershaw and Grinky. I mean, to have two aces at the top of your rotation, what more could you ask for? Yeah, exactly. And with Nolasco pitching as as well as he has been, I mean, that's three great pitchers. And, and even Ryu, though, you know, as we said earlier, may not quite have it as we go later into the year. He's still good. He's still better than, I think, the majority of the, you know, middle rotation pitchers out there. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think, um, you know, it once he gets out of his own slump, you have four really, really good pitchers, you know, and hopefully the Dodgers are able to find someone that can round out the rotation. Volquez definitely isn't the answer. Capuano, who, as we mentioned in the last uh, episode of the podcast, um, Capuano's contract ends, and so he's definitely not a long-term solution either. So, you know, I'm hoping that they find someone, uh, hopefully within during the offseason, um, and the, hopefully Coletti just stops 
spending money on bad signings. And uh, since I seem to be on it with the segues, um, <laughs> that one was a little forced. I'll give it a seven. Seven out of ten. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, since we're talking about bad signings, um, within the last week, uh, the Dodgers have brought on Edinson Volquez and Michael Young. Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Edinson Volquez was released by the Padres on August 24th. Um, and five days later, the Dodgers picked him up. Of course. Now, for those of you that don't know, Edinson Volquez is terrible. <laughs> Put it in perspective, right? The Padres is well known as probably the worst pitching rotation in the major leagues. So... So to put it simply, Edinson Volquez was dropped, was cut from the worst pitching rotation in the major leagues. And that's probably the best way to frame it. I mean, you have a pile of shitty pitchers and your team says, you're too shitty. Get off the team. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's how bad he is. To to provide some perspective here in in terms of, and bring it in terms of the Dodgers, you know, Capuano has been our whipping boy as of late and I, I feel bad now because... Well, Capuano's ERA has been at 4.74, and his field independent pitching has been at 3.65. Edinson Volquez has posted an ERA of 6.01. 6.01. He holds the NL or the major league. Uh, he's the major league leader in earned runs at well after today's game, 99. <laughs> 99 <laughs> earned runs. What the fuck? <laughs> oh boy! And, I, I mean, you know, he he's bad. He's all kinds of bad. And is bad. He's th- bad. Is real bad. He probably pitched. Um, fortunately for the Dodgers, um, they're only playing a prorated minimum minimum league salary at eighty five thousand. <sighs> um, you know, I, I I could pitch as bad for eighty five thousand. Sign me. Yeah, yeah. Not I probably. I probably do. I, not I probably do. I do. I do pitch worse. I mean, I can't even find a strike zone. Um, but you know, I, I think today's game really uh, highlighted the the use that they're going to find in these bad players. I mean, going down the stretch, there's going to be some games that the Dodgers play that they it's not really going to matter. And the closer the Dodgers get to uh, clinching the division. Um, you'll yeah. start to see more of the bad players like Volquez and Michael Young um, get into the lineup, and you'll start to see more of the regular everyday players sit down on the bench. And that's just for you know longevity get, reasons. Um, no, you know, no, you, you go, want your best players healthy. You're on a roll. October. You're on a roll. And if that means that you throw in Volquez for the loss so that Kershaw, Granke, and your other pitchers get an extra day of rest, so be it. Um. You know, I'm not too worried about moves like that. Um, what I am... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. What what I was going to say was what I am worried about are, are players like Michael Young, who, uh, you know, why the Dodgers signed Michael Young is beyond me. I mean, the reason as to why seemed to be uh, because he's a great clubhouse guy. He's quite the presence in the dugout. But I don't give a shit what your presence is in the dugout. Your presence needs to be on the field. And when you're Michael Young... And you have, you know, bad stats, which I'm about to get into, like he does. Um, your presence in the clubhouse means shit. I'm about to get into some some uh, 
advanced stats here just to, for those of you that are into that kind of stuff. And if you're not, maybe I can enlighten you a bit. Um, there are certain ways to quantify a player. Um, one of the uh, more common ways um, in sabermetrics is to see how many runs a player provides. Um, now, there is the possibility of a player providing negative runs, meaning that they they, they cost the team. The reason why you'd have negative runs, you, I mean, you can't score negative runs, obviously, but the reason why you'd do that is because um, you can turn runs into wins. Um, so when a player, the 10 runs equals one win. So moving on from that, um, Michael Young provides negative one run from batting. His batting is that bad. Um, he often hits into double plays, and as a result, he provides negative two runs. I think he's done that a few times already. Yeah, I think he did that three times in uh, in uh, last night's game. Not, you know, the one the Dodgers lost, but the one the Dodgers won. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just bad. <laughs> His fielding well, is terrible. He provides negative 20 run, 21 runs from fielding. Negative 20 runs. So his fielding, using the, the little formula I told you, 10 runs equals one win. His negative 21 runs from his poor fielding actually causes two losses throughout the season. Now, you know, a two losses in a 162-game season seems like a drop in the bucket. But just imagine if this, if the uh, division race, the playoff race, was closer in the NL West. And you signed someone like Michael Young? But moving on, I mean, he, he is negative 23 runs below league average. So the at league average is zero runs. An average player will provide zero runs to the team. He provides negative 23. He is negative six runs uh, below replacement, and he provides negative one win uh, below replacement. Um, fortunately for the Dodgers, his salary will be a drop in the bucket. They're only going to pay him $1 million. But yeah, I mean, he's just that bad. I mean, even going into uh, the kind of uh, staple metric for um, defending, uh, he... At third base, which is probably where he's going to end up most of the season for the rest of the season, depending on how long he just, he plays off the, uh, when he's not on the bench. Um, he's definitely not going to play first because he's not going to take time from Adrian Gonzalez. He's not going to take time from Hanley Ramirez. Uh, Mark Alice, I, I can hardly, I can't even imagine him taking time from Mark Alice because Mark Alice has actually been pretty good as of late. So the only position he can take, the only player he could take time away from is Juan Uribe at third. And while their hitting has been somewhat similar, Uribe has a far superior glove and just an all-around better defender at third than Michael Young can ever imagine to be. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I I see Young as basically just a bench guy who's going to come in and pinch hit if need be. In this final stretch of the season, I don't see him taking. Obviously, he started today at first and yesterday at third. But you know, as you said, you were talking about earlier, these recent signings have been more to give the main roster their rest that they're definitely going to need with a huge lead we have right now. They, the huge lead the Dodgers have right now in first. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you know it, I could just imagine the front office saying you know telling Coletti, hey, you know we have some money, we need to sign people, and Coletti's just like, well, who do we need to sign? Anybody, just sign anybody. <laughs> you know, Coletti well, pulls out his wish list of shitty players. Here's the thing, and I have look when it comes down to it, these players that Coletti in the front office have been signing, going back to like Marmol and uh, Wilson, you know, including them. I have no problem with them signing those players now, given the lead that the Dodgers have in the NL West. In fact, these 
players are going to come in kind of handy for the reasons which we've already explained. What I have a problem with and what I fear is if any of these players goes on a great stretch down the line, who knows how how many years and how much money <laughs> they're going to be given when it all comes down to the new season. And, and yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I can't agree more with you because, you know, that's just that's just Coletti's trend. I mean, we have one pitcher in the bullpen right now who is a living, breathing example of that. Good and, old friend. We should write a theme song for him. <laughs> yeah, we really should. I Brandon mean, League. Oh, Brandon League. Good old friend. <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean that that that's just I mean that's just Coletti being Coletti, and um, without giving too much away, I'll I'll touch on that in a bit as well. And again, for those of you that follow the blog, expect a blog post about that because it seems to be a a a really bad problem. I mean, when you tie up money to to bad players who happen to just get lucky, um, you know, you 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 diminish what you can do in the future. Um, but without getting uh, too into that, um, yeah. You know, well, I guess we can uh, we can only hope for the best and hope that these players are only on the roster until the season is actually over. Yes, until the Dodgers win the World Series. Yes. Speaking of which, um, I think there was news today that the uh, the odds for the Dodgers winning the World Series uh, improved. Uh, Vegas has the Dodgers at uh, ten and three to win the World Series. Wow. Yeah. So they are the favorites to win um, that's great yeah ahead of the tigers ahead of the braves ahead of the red sox ahead of the rangers so um exciting times friends yeah, yeah exciting times to be a dodger fan if you're not a dodger fan yet get on it yeah we'll gladly take you on yeah no definitely um you know <laughs> christian abzi if you're listening to this come on bro come, come to the other side brother come, come to the on, other bro. side it's all right man cool are we uh, done with the main dish yeah, and it was delicious. <laughs> um, now on All to right. desserts. Desserts. Um, in the NL West, uh, Arizona beat Toronto four to three. Um, San Francisco destroyed the Padres thirteen to five. And yeah, I mean San Francisco and the Padres. I mean it's just kind of a dick waving contest, and you know both teams have like really small dicks, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter what happens between them at this point. So it's. it's it's a contest to see who doesn't finish in last between those two. Um, I think with the Giants winning, they're both 21 and a half games back. <laughs> so their seasons are effectively <laughs> over. <laughs> that feels good. Yeah, it does. Um, and with Arizona beating Toronto and the Dodgers losing, uh, the Dodgers' magic number is still at 12. So the Dodgers need to win only 12 more games. Uh, or, or Arizona needs to lose 12 more games. Or some combination of the two. Yeah, uh, in order for the Dodgers to clinch the division. Um, Colorado beat the... You know, just fuck you, Colorado, and fuck you, Coors Field. Fuck you. Leave it at that. Um, In other news, uh, Matt Kemp. uh, God, poor guy. He's been struggling. Um, Uh, Oh, Kemp. Yeah, and God, it it breaks my heart. Um, Over the weekend... uh, and what I'm about to say is is sacrilege among Dodger fans. But over the weekend, you know, my girlfriend has been saying that Kemp is useless. And it's it's really hard for me to make a case for him, given that he's missed so many games. You know, he's he's been struggling. And what else do you say? 
and going into single-A ball, Rancho Cucamonga, when you're going 0 for 18 with seven strikeouts and one walk, I mean, I, I can't say anything else other than, you know, the guy has just been struggling. I um I have no problem. I mean, let the guy take as long as he needs. He When the Dodgers make it to the postseason, to have someone like Matt Kemp on your bench ready to go, what more can you ask for? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And, I mean, if it takes him to the playoffs for him to be healthy, then so be it. I mean, that's when he's going to be needed the most. And Yes. You know, it's not like the Dodgers have been struggling with an injured Kemp. You right. know? Yeah, mean, yeah. With with everyone healthy and everyone's... Um, I think every Dodger fan wants to see that stacked lineup with Kemp in the middle of it. Yeah. But, you know what? Let him take his time so that way next year... After we win the world, after Dodgers win the World Series this year, you know we'll go for number number two will be so much easier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you heard it here first. Dodger win. Dodgers win back to back World Series. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I just I, I I like Kemp. I've always liked Kemp, even when he was struggling. I liked Kemp. Um, you know, and he's just he's just such a great player and all around good guy too. Um, Yes. So I, I, you know, it just, it just, it sucks. I mean, for anybody that maybe watches basketball, you know, when you see your star player like a Kobe Bryant go down, um, you know, you you feel for the guy because I mean, these these players, they're they're competitors. You know, for for I guess the Laker fans that listen, you know, when when uh, Kobe Bryant got injured, really at, at the end of the season, I mean, you know, it, it sucks when you see your star player or one of your star players go down like that. You know, you you, you know that they want to compete and you want to see them compete. Um, you can't help but feel bad because I mean, they're they're almost like a a sick dog, you know. <laughs> They just, they just, they look almost just tied down to the bench. And you know, when when you're someone like Matt Kemp, and you come off this this career season like you did in 2011, and you're injured through 2012 and 2013, I mean, I can only imagine that it's it's hard to to go through that when you're so used to being such a great performer. And it was Matt Kemp that the Dodgers used used to rely on. Yeah. So. To go from that to almost being the forgotten child, I'm sure it's taken a toll on his, uh, you know, on his ego as well. Yeah, definitely. I I can't I can't I can't doubt that whatsoever. Um, but yeah, other than that. Um, but what all well wishes to Kemp. We want him back. Yes, please come back to us, Kemp. Please. You know, there's there's still a spot for you on the roster. Don't worry. We love you, bro. Um. Yeah, but I guess uh, moving on. Wait, I'm gonna wait, wait. You forgot the most important thing. What I forget? Do you know what uh, today, or I guess yesterday now? <gasps> oh, was? yes, yes, and yes. Um, our uh, our namesake, Mister Mike Piazza, celebrated his forty fifth forty fifth birthday. I think that may or may not be accurate. I don't know. Forty fifth birthday, Mister Mike Piazza. If you're listening. Which you're not. <laughs> There's no way in hell he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> you have better, more productive things to do than to listen to a shitty podcast. But if you are listening, um, uh, you can contact us at Piazza Parlor uh, on Twitter, and we would, uh, you know, I want to talk to you, bro. Come on. Yeah, happy 45th birthday to Mike Piazza. Um, 
Yeah, man. I, I can't believe that, you know, it's been so long since he uh, wore Dodger blue. I know, man. Oh, I could I could literally talk a whole podcast about Mike Piazza, but I think I'm going to spare everybody. Anyways, <laughs> just uh, happy birthday to him and to any Mike Piazza haters out there. Uh, I just want to say, fuck you. <laughs> um, moving on. Um, I'm going to get into my uh rant now oh sorry about that yeah dessert was delicious thanks guys (laughs) Mm. um but moving on to the rant now um surprise surprise it's about ned coletti what (laughs) um you know i you had touched on this earlier about uh ned coletti signing players uh as rental players for the rest of the season and then they have a hot september and they get this amazing contract and if you think it started with Brandon League, uh, you're wrong. Um, Coletti, Coletti has been known to sign players in their decline or just broken players um, throughout his tenure. Um, it's uh, One of the bigger names that he signed in 2006 was Nomar Garcia Parra, who wasn't really a bad player, but he was never really great either. But when he, the Dodgers signed him in 2000, or when Coletti signed him in 2006, Garcia Parra was on the on the decline. And Ned Coletti thought it would be a good idea to sign him for two years, $18.5 million. Uh, let's also not forget uh, one player who is just bad and has always been bad, Juan Pierre. Um, still paying Juan Pierre? I feel like they still, they're still paying Juan Pierre. I believe I want to say this is the last season that they pay him. That's amazing. Um, that that to me that's just fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they're no longer paying him. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were, but no, they're not. Um, they were paying him. I think last year was the last, last year. year? They, okay, it was last year. Yeah, but Ned Coletti signed him for five years, forty-four million. Um, Jason Schmidt who has never been a good player. His, oh God, his tenure with the Dodgers was terrible. Jason Smith was signed to three years, $47 million. Then there's Andrew Jones, who is still on the Dodgers payroll. Oh. Um, yeah, the Dodgers will be paying him through 2014. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... I mean, it's been great that Juan Uribe has had an awesome 2013 season. And yes, he is my king. He is my lord. He is my savior. But, I mean, 2010 and 2000, or yeah, 2011, 2012 were just really bad years for, for Juan Uribe. And we were lamenting his three-year, $21 million contract. Um, now that he's had a good 2013, don't be surprised if you see him in Dodger Blue in 2014. I, I feel like I can almost guarantee he'll be back <laughs> for at yeah, least one no, more year. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> One more year of Dodger Dogs. Oh, can't wait. Um, All hail. And then, <laughs> thank God we threw him to Chicago, but Matt Guerrero was given three years, $12 million uh, back in 2010. Um, Juan Rivera, uh, Mr. Hashtag RBI Machine. RBI Machine. Uh, was given $4.5 million over the course of a year. Um, and he should have never had a contract <laughs> from anybody. <laughs> he, he's been bad. Um, there's Aaron Harang, Mr. Harangatang. Good Lord, that guy's ugly. Yeah, and he's bad. Yo, it's, it's a terrible combination. I mean, if you're good looking and you're bad, then... At least you have something to look at. Yeah, but you know, you're you're bad at pitching and bad looking. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Got nothing you're going so ugly for you. The, yeah, you're so ugly, the balls should travel further, faster away from you. That's supposed to be an insult, but it didn't work out quite as well as I had hoped. Come on, man. Keep going. 
But anyways, he was given two years, twelve million, and of course the most recent signings of Butera, um, Volquez, and Young. You know, I mean, Butera, I can understand. Volquez, I can understand. Young, I can understand because we just went through that in the podcast. But if you give, I mean, if if any of these players have a streak through the last two weeks of the season, you know, Coletti's trend has been giving these players contracts, multi-year contracts. Multi-year contracts that locks up money. I mean, really, can you believe that we're still paying, or not we, but the Dodgers are still paying Manny Ramirez? <laughs> uh, you know, they're still paying. We just got cut from the Rangers recently, I believe. Uh, I think it was the, was it the Rangers or was it the Astros? It was the Rangers. But yeah, they're still paying Manny Ramirez. They're still paying Corota, And although Corota was good, let's not forget how old he was when his uh, contract was coming up. I think he was in his age 30-something season, 33 or 34. You know, these are bad contracts that that um, that Coletti has just been giving out. And I guess when the Dodgers were under McCourt, you know, it was a bigger problem than it is now because the Dodgers just seem to have a unlimited supply of money to throw at players. There's going to come a time when, you know, or there was a time when the Dodgers were not able to give out those kind of contracts, yet they did. And how Coletti has had a job, maybe because no one else wanted the GM position, and maybe because McCourt really just didn't give a shit who was running the show, as long as he was the face of the Dodgers. Um, you know, Coletti was able to get away with this, you know, and I hope that with this new ownership, they put an even shorter leash on Coletti, because this is a problem, and it's something that should be stopped. I mean, I think anyone that has the Dodgers' best interest in mind should be watching how the money is spent, spent no matter how much money the team has. So with that, if you have any thoughts about Coletti, or if you have any favorite bad signing of Coletti, uh, send us an email or, you know, send us a tweet. Let us know who you think is terrible, and uh, we'll try to one-up you with someone who is even worse. (laughs) Two things. I'm going to one-up you right now. Okay. You completely forgot one of my all-time favorite Coletti signings. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, Trying to think. Trying to think. Come on, man. Adam, Adam Kennedy? Oh, no. No, no, no. Even worse. You, you're completely forgetting, man. Come on. I, you know, you know. Actually, okay. I'm actually kind of happy that you forgot about him because that means you put him so far out of your mind that he's, um, you know, he's probably on another planet right now. Actually, I don't even know if he still exists. But a uh, good old friend, Ted Lilly. Oh yeah, actually, <laughs> Ted Lilly. Well, I mean, yeah, poor Ted Lilly, DFA'd. And the Dodgers are paying him thirteen and a half million to be DFA'd. <laughs> yeah, but you know what else? He was he, no, he was another he was another one that had a, a hot you know it was a he was a mid year signing or a mid year trade or something like that, uh, and did pretty well. And then before you know it, there goes Coletti handing him a multi year contract, and he has just been consistently horrible. I mean, at least he's consistent at something, right? Well, and that's the other thing too is that I mean, it's not like you know he he was. Bad in Chicago. And this is the other thing. I mean, Chicago of all places. I mean, he was bad in Chicago, and he was consistently injured in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, this is a, a, a pitcher with, with an injury list, I mean, a, a history of injuries. And, it, I mean, you know, to sign a 30-something-year-old pitcher with a history of injuries from a perennial bad team for $13.5 million, it's like, Jesus Christ, Coletti, get your shit together. Oh, Tedilly. He's probably I, I can, he's probably recovering from some sort of injury right now. 
as we speak of it. Yeah, actually, I think he still is. I mean, I think his last outing with the Dodgers, I mean, he's, he was banged up pretty bad. And, I mean, he couldn't get his fastball over 70 miles an hour. That's how bad he, badly injured he was. He's bad. He is so he bad. Yeah, so, you know, if, if you're interested in looking at the Dodger payroll, um, one of the best uh, uh, places to look would be at Mike Sosa's Tragic Illness. Uh, click on the payroll link, and you can take a look at the money that's locked up for the current roster, pitching rotation, the bullpen, all that good stuff. That's where I'm getting my information from. Uh, you could also check out True Blue LA. Um, yeah, those are good places to look at the payroll, see how the Dodgers are spending their money. Um, yeah, it's a good read. Good look. Cool. Um, and uh, one more thing. I think it'll be. Yes. Just, I think this will be fun. Okay, so out of Marmol, uh, Brian Wilson, Edison, Edinson Volquez, Drew Butera, and Michael Young. Out of those questionable recent signings, who do you think will get the contract next year? And we'll throw let's throw Juan Juan Uribe in for fun. Let's let's well actually let's take out Wilson and let's take out Uribe because Wilson has been good and. Um, Uribe, I, we can guarantee that he will get a contract. <laughs> so let's look at Marmol, Volquez, Butera, and Young. I will put my money on. I'm gonna say Young, right off the bat. I'm just gonna say Young. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say Young as well. Um, e- <laughs> <laughs> it pains, it pains no me word. to say Young, but I'm gonna say Young. No, no words. Um. The reason why I say Young is expect him to get a shit ton of RBIs from now until the end of September. Um, you know, Coletti's going to look at that and say, oh, look at his RBIs. And he'll be like, well, yeah, of course he has that many RBIs. You put him, you know, to bat third each and every time. Or you hit put him to bat cleanup each and every time. You know, what the fuck? You know, even a blind squirrel will find a nut. So, I mean, I, I will put my money on Young. And a close second will be Marmol. Oh, God. I think Good that's going to be... Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be Honeycutt's pet po- uh, pet project uh, during the off season. Jesus, God, no! <laughs> yeah, I hope P- but, I just hope Puig eats him or something. I don't ever want to see him after this. Uh, God, yeah, Marmol. I'm gonna I'm gonna dedicate a special blog post to Carlos Marmol. Um, <laughs> the guy couldn't find a strike zone to save his life, and you know he's gonna have some solid outings out of the bullpen, and Coletti's gonna get a boner. And, <laughs> you know, Coletti's going to give him a, a fat contract. And Marmol will have some room to argue because he's going to say, you know, look, you gave legal contract and he's bad. So, uh, yeah. But can, can we with. Yeah, let's, let's wrap go, it up. My, oh, wait, yes. Can I just uh, I'm, I just want to clarify here. We're talking all this bad stuff about all these bad players on the Dodgers. But let me just clarify and say that. We are super pumped on this team. Um, it's easy to criticize, obviously, but there's a lot of great things going on in this Dodger team, in this Dodgers organization, and uh, we just want to make sure that we don't come off as negative Nancys. Yeah, I know, and I know the last two, I agree. I know the last two episodes have been um, bashing, but, I mean, if if players like Volquez and Young can produce for the Dodgers... I'll take it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to keep bashing them if they produce, if they're producing. I mean, I know at the beginning of the season, I was just bashing Uribe and he's been good this season. And I can't, I can't not praise him for doing more for the Dodgers and holding him down at third base. Um, does that mean that I want to see him next year? No, because I, you do. know, over I the do. course, I want to see him every year for the rest of his life. <laughs> 
you know, over the course of his career, you know, he had, he's been okay. He hasn't been great, but he's been okay. Um, but, you know, if, if bad players are able to produce for the rest of the season, great. But, you know, the, the one thing I, I want to be able to provide for anybody that's listening is perspective. Because, you know, when Michael Young, when news broke that Michael Young was signed, you know, there was all this like, oh, Michael Young this, Michael Young that. And it's like, does nobody remember how bad he is? You know, and, and if the Dodgers are able to turn him around and, you know, he produces from now through the postseason, cool, great. That's good for the Dodgers and that's good for Dodger fans. It's just it's 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 just making my stomach turn to think the kind of contract he'll get. <laughs> Next year. Yes. <laughs> Michael Young is fine as a bench player, as someone to help the Dodgers through this last month of the regular season. Past that though, good lord. Yeah. So um anything that anything good that can happen for the Dodgers will be celebrated. Um anything that we think is questionable will be questioned but if we're wrong and we hope we are that's that's great <laughs> xavier will buy yeah. everyone pizza if uh if we're wrong i'll buy everyone costco piazza there you go with that i think we're gonna wrap it up wrap it up uh, so in the name of the uribe uribe fuck i'm never gonna get that right <laughs> no, you're not. name of the father <laughs> the uribe and the holy puig holy Actually, no, i was gonna I was going to change that up oh. to the, uh, uh, in the name of the Uribe, yes. the Hanran, oh. and the Holy Puitzes. Oh, I like it. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I saw all three of them sitting in the dugout, and I thought, you know, that is a trifecta of Cari- Car- Caribbean Hispanic. That's right. So, uh, yes, in the name of the Uribe, the Hanram, and the Holy Puitzes. Amen. Amen. Very well done. Until... Until next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yes, and, and just uh, a reminder: follow us at on Twitter at Piazza Parlor, and then Tumblr piazzaparlor.tumblr.com. And we will see y'all next week. Peace. <laughs>